Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today, Giant Talk is delighted to be joined by Vijay Santanam. Vijay is CEO and co-founder of Fitbots, an OKR platform and consultancy. Having spent many years in leadership and performance roles, Vijay realised that industry practices, which are of great significance to business outcomes, are not creating the much needed impact and hence created Fitbots with co-founder Kashi. So welcome to Giant Talk Vidya. I'm delighted to have you with us for today's episode. Before we start, please can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a bit about Fitbots? Absolutely. Thanks, Kali. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Vidya. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fitbots. Um, as Kali rightly introduced, um, uh, Fitbots is a platform for OKRs along with coaching to get new teams spun up on the process. Uh, just to give you a quick background about um, a little bit about myself, I started Fitbots after a fairly long career in the corporate. So I had a 16-year experience before I set up Fitbots along with my co-founder, Kashi. In my past life, I used to lead leadership and strategic talent management for a billion-dollar company named Mindtree. And that's where uh, the idea of OKRs came up, where we found that there's a big gap in the industry from strategy to execution. We stumbled upon OKRs as co-founders, and we said that, okay, let's build a platform around OKRs. So that was way back in 2018. And from there, there was no turning back. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. So um, let's get into, into the subject. So you predominantly work in the Asia-Pacific market. Can you tell us a little bit about the adoption of OKRs in this market? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Fitbots, yes, we have a lot of clients in the Asia-Pacific and other clients globally as well, such as in the US. Um, in Asia-Pacific, uh, we have been operating since 2018 from the time when Fitbots started. Uh, one of the early realizations that we had as um, Fitbots was that um, one is we were creating a fairly new category in Asia-Pacific when it came to building a SaaS platform. Many teams are new to OKRs and they still continue to be. But when we started, it was um, a lot more uh, nascent a concept. Um, so when companies used to come over to us, they would say, hey, what are OKRs? Mm -hmm. um, so with that in context, um, both me and my co-founder, uh, we got certified as OKR coaches. We personally coached about 550 teams and built a platform by being very close to users and getting feedback real time. Um, so the Asia-Pacific market, to answer your question, Kali, is uh, quite new to OKRs. Um, and, and one of the points that we actually realized was that um, we, we, did a, we did a poll of about 100 plus organizations asking them as to, you know, hey, uh, how familiar are you with OKRs? And less than 13% had actually uh, practiced OKRs for three years in a row. So the remainder were actually either one to two years or less than a year. So that's how new the concept is. Yeah. And um, when was the poll? Was the poll back um, in 2018 or was that most more recently? Yeah, it was more recent. So we mm -hmm. conducted an OKR survey report for Asia Pacific in 2020. And that's where we surveyed organizations and found that many of them are new to OKRs and, um, and are actually adopting it to uh, see success, especially mm -hmm. in alignment of their teams. And have you seen, I guess, um, over the past year or so, um, I guess as we're going into 2022, um, so maybe the past year or two, the adoption has changed much in those two years? Has it rapidly increased or is it quite, still quite slow? Yeah, it's a great question. And we see that the adoption of OKRs is rapidly increasing for many reasons. 
One is um, the amount of venture funding uh, which is being, uh, you know, which is being, uh, you know, um, kind of shown upon in these startup and scale-up space mm-hmm. uh, is a big driver to this because startups and scale-ups get OKRs very quickly. And uh, we have more than about, uh, let's say, about 10,000 plus scale-ups on an average, even if we uh, take a conservative number. Um, and and that, that group adopts OKRs very frenetically. So that's one part of it. Uh, the other part are uh, mid-enterprises uh, where they have put innovation budgets or strategy execution budgets inside, and then they are introducing OKRs to align and engage their teams. So both these trends that we're seeing, both in context to venture funding, as well as budgets which are being set aside for innovation or from strategy teams, is driving the increase in adoption for the past two years. And of course, the third reason is many of uh, many of the companies who come to us have already read Measure Vote Matters by John Doerr. Mm-hmm. So that's 90% of CXOs who reach out to FedBots have read the book and, and uh, you know, re- uh, reach out for OKRs. Yeah, it sounds positive. And one of the questions that I was going to ask is, um, are OKRs largely adopted or are they still in their infancy? And it sounds like what, what you've said there, especially with the rapidly increasing over the past couple of years, that this, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, so I think it, it's definitely a positive to hear that. Um, I guess another question is, so while it's, it's a noted fact that OKRs originated in our, and are more popular in the IT tech industry, more so with upcoming startups in this field, as you've touched on there, um, have you seen interest in other industries too? And, and if so, what kind of industries have you seen more, more interest in? Yeah, uh, so today almost every organization is a technology-enabled organization because there are investments mm-hmm. in technology irrespective of the segment. Yeah. Having said that, apart from uh, technology companies, which are pretty heavy on product and engineering teams, we also see an increase in adoption from healthcare, professional services, and FMCG. So these sectors have started reaching out to us, and we see that the demand's increasing uh, in these segments as well. And of course, they have their internal IT teams who come aboard on OKRs, uh, but having said that, their business is still uh, in the specific segments that we just spoke about. Yeah, and have you seen that, the? I guess, in, say, healthcare, for example, or, or FMCG, the reasons for adoption OKRs are different to um, previous industries, maybe, that we spoke about? Yeah, um, so in some of these segments, they're looking at OKRs for faster turnaround times. So especially post-COVID, many of these companies had to pivot in terms of their product lines and get their products faster to market in less than probably about 15 days sometimes. And in order to get different teams together, uh, they put OKRs in place. So that was one big driver. The second important driver is on improving internal efficiency. So if you look at OKRs, um, so sometimes you know we get to ask this question, say, isn't it only, um, don't I only need to hit my revenue metrics? Mm-hmm. But we, you know, as OKR practitioners, we know that revenue is a lag indicator, but there are many other elements of the business, right? From process to people to customers that you would need to address before you meet your financial lag indicators. So OKRs are being adopted to actually put a lot of internal efficiencies in place and get cross-functional teams together. So we notice these two as important drivers. And the third is, of course, in terms of 
strategies for acquisition of new markets that became a third driver for some of these segments. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think when we previously spoke um, before the podcast, we spoke about the healthcare and COVID. And um, I think you mentioned hand sanitizers as an example of, you know, having to quickly get this product to market and that fast turnaround time, which, which obviously OKRs have helped with. What would you say are the cultural differences in the adoption of OKRs in the Asia Pacific region? Yeah, um, yeah, our experience with uh, coaching is that uh, it precedes the software. Uh, also, because it's a fairly new category and OKRs as a framework is very new to many teams, despite the fact that CXOs get it and they pro- probably 90% of them would have read Measure What Matters, but teams are very new to OKRs. So one of the important differentiators in coaching in this view is how do we work with teams who are actually executing strategy than only the leadership team. So that's mm-hmm. one um, uh, you know, key difference that we find. The second one is uh, when we do coach teams, one of the top of mind questions which come is, hey, how do I select the right key result? More than the objective, how do I select the right key result? Because I frame my objective, but I don't know which metrics are really going to move the needle. Mm-hmm. So coaches who coach in this geo have to really have a keen attention to how do we really help them select the right key results, the ones which are going to move the needle. The third is, in fact, uh, more from a cultural perspective. Sometimes we do find, and this is not across segments, but specific segments where you find that there is a multilingual uh, team which is working together. Coaches who have understanding of the local culture as well as are bilingual or multilingual in languages also tend to connect better with teams and with the problem statements. But that's for a very small segment. But I would say the first and the second point on coaching are two important differentiators in coaching in Asia Pacific. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, what would you say are the top motivators that you see um, for companies that you work with choosing to adopt OKRs? And we've touched on a couple um, previously, but I guess the top ones there that you see. Yeah, um, so uh, the top one is clearly on alignment. And while OKRs itself is like a silo buster or it gets different teams together as a framework, uh, the top most reason why CXOs approach us is, you know, I have this company which is growing. I'm not able to have a personal connect with my next level teams or teams below. And I need OKRs to connect and align everybody. So that's the topmost reason. The second important reason why OKRs are adopted is what got us here would not necessarily take us to the next level, which means we need to make some real orbit raising moves to say that, okay, if I've executed my strategy till now, if I need to double or triple in the next year or so, then I use OKRs as a means of driving that frenetic growth. So that's another reason. Mm-hmm. And you know, the third reason would be uh, pivots because, uh, and this happened of course, you know, right after COVID where CXOs came to us for pivots, but I would think alignment mm-hmm. and uh, you know, making a fastidious leap on growth are two of the biggest reasons why teams come, uh, leadership teams come to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, I, I think um, I kind of expected alignment. It, it's something that you hear so much um, for people. Um, yeah, the main reason why they've chosen to, to adopt OKRs. 
Are there any sort of questions that you get asked by by your clients that you, when it comes to OKRs, that you get asked, I guess, um, quite often, a, a recurring question that you get from different clients? Yeah. Um, so in the region, what we do find is many of them are transitioning from traditional performance management to OKRs. So the first question is, hey, what are OKRs and how are they different? Mm-hmm. And what's OKRs going to do to my company, which we have not done so in the past? Yeah. So um, to get over the initial skepticism, so that's where the first question comes up. The second interesting one which comes up to us is, uh, you know, we've been practicing balanced scorecards and how are OKRs different from balanced scorecards? And the third one where, you know, we get asked a lot is, hey, what do I do with my performance review process? And should we tight link OKRs? Or if we soft link OKRs, then what happens to mm-hmm. metrics which people have moved? How do they get measured for it? So these are the top three uh, questions or objections that we get, um, especially when it comes to new companies adopting OKRs who have never done it in the past. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting, especially the skepticism point. Um, I think from conversations that I've had with, I guess, internally and also on, on podcasts as well with, with, with guests, um, there's still that, the question around how are they different from other goal setting um, methodologies and and just to, to help with that internal buy-in I think it's it's such an important question as well so finally we do like to give our listeners a, a top tip and to end the podcast um with a key takeaway so if you was if, if I was to ask you what would be your top tip that you would share when implemented OKRs what would you say um, the top tips, um, the top tips would be one is always have sponsorship before introducing OKRs. Uh, CEOs are the best sponsors, chief of staff, strategy heads. They're also good sponsors of OKRs. But if you have a strong sponsor on board um, and the sponsor reviews OKRs in leadership meetings, then you would be sure to adopt OKRs with new companies. So that's the first tip that we usually give our clients. The second important tip is to have an internal OKR champion because it is about bringing in change to the way of working and would also have an impact on the company culture. And I'll just double down on this point on company culture in a bit. But the internal champion, at least initially, would be removing any of the roadblocks in OKR rollouts and getting teams together. The internal champions also keep teams enthusiastic about OKRs. And that's an important role, apart from the fact that they coach others on OKRs by understanding the framework itself. Um, The third I touched upon is company culture, because uh, many a time when we are approached by companies, uh, the alignment also means that teams would now need to share a lot more and come together to address high value business problems. So they're not setting goals like in the traditional frameworks one-on-one, but they're setting it as a team. As we all know, OKRs are best set as teams and addressing important business problems irrespective of which department that I belong to. So uh, one of the tips that we give teams is, you know, don't set it department-wise because then you'll be pretty much doing goal setting as a team, but in your own context, Mm -hmm. form your pods and squads. What does that mean? It basically means cross-functional teams coming together and addressing a high-value business problem. So that's when you get the most out of the framework. And the last and important one that we tell them is 
with all the infatuation that's there around writing high quality OKRs, it's about sustaining OKRs. So put in more effort in your check-in meetings rather than writing OKRs because once you write it and you set it and forget it, it's exactly like what you've done in the past. So to sustain OKRs requires that rigor which champions bring in. So these are the four tips that we usually give. Thank you. There's some really good tips there. And, and we're big advocates here as well on having an, an internal OKR champion. I think to ensure that momentum and longevity of OKRs in, in your organisation, I think it's it's critical to have someone there, I guess, banging the drum for OKRs and keeping that, yeah, the momentum there. So that's a really good tip. And culture as well. Um, I guess we could do a completely separate um, subject on, on culture. And we've done a few previous podcasts on the importance of, of, of getting the you know, ensuring the culture is right before you you look at OKRs because otherwise you I guess you're sort of doomed to fail if it's not it's not right in the first place. So some really good tips there to take away. Thank you so much for joining Giant Talk for, for a podcast today. You've touched on the, the report um in the podcast as well. And obviously we've got our report coming out at the beginning of next year. So it'll be good to see the differences, the, the cultural differences there. Um looking at I guess those that have responded to the report from your side and also from our side as well because I think you you've, you touched on that in the report don't you where the responses have come from um, in, in the ge- geographical locations so we're really interested to sort of um, look at the two together um, thank you so much Vidya and thank you to you our Giant Talk listeners for listening to another episode of Giant Talk if you have any feedback or any questions you can always get in touch with us at growth at therebegiants.com thanks again and i hope you join us for another episode of giant talk thank you carly it's been a pleasure being here and thanks to all the listeners we hope uh, you know these tips and perspectives have helped you in your okr journeys as well thank Bye-bye. you bye thank you